magawa. Today on the Go for Bronze podcast, Ace and Yoel get so crazy that I can't even mention what they talk about. You're going to have to tune in to hear it. Dragon Age Dead Wolf gameplay leaks are showing some God of War type combat. Level 5 announces Decapolis, the studio behind Nino Kuni. For all that and more, here are the guys. Hello and welcome to Go For Bronze episode 17. I am Joel Torres, one of your hosts as always, and with me as always, my hetero life partner, Mark Ace. Mark Ace oh. Acevedo, what's up, everyone? Egua. <laughs> Mark Ace is yeah, my Mark favorite. Ace is my favorite. We had that was an Apple podcast review. Shout out to Blaze. I think I know who that is, but uh, shout out for leaving a review. I'm glad that I'm your favorite. Hey, if you want to be shouted out on the show, leave a review and just say Mark Ace is your favorite. I want that to be like a thing that is within this universe and we have it like on a t-shirt that just says mark ace yeah, is create the lore that mark ace is now going to be set as one name it's pretty surprising to see that exactly lovely but mark how are you I'm doing? doing good it's, it's a thursday night three cups coffee deep in well so it's wednesday so i'm assuming you're not doing too good but Jesus, that's all right. It's Damn, been a busy day, right? It was crazy. We both had a, a slam day with our, our professional uh, adult jobs. And so we're here with an excellent show ready for our beautiful audience to listen to. But we have, it will be a little bit winged because things are just crazy. But there's not that much crazy stuff going on. So it'll be easy to discuss. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty light news week. It's kind of getting into the cycle of like big releases hitting. So I feel like news is kind of simmering down because everybody's like, let the games take up the space in the gaming industry right now. We don't need news to filter out conversations. We got great games hitting the street. We got Dead Space Remake. We got um, Fat Hog, a.k.a. Hogwarts Legacy. And then for you Xbox gamers, you got High Rush. And apparently that's pretty good. And it almost makes me want to turn on the xbox yeah because i mean besides that we know that the day that we're recording this today wednesday nintendo just had a huge direct so a lot of the stuff that you're seeing probably headlining is going to be nintendo related um so playstation being a little bit quiet at least for this week yeah but you know if you know enjoy nintendo games too if you want that uh metroid prime remastered looks interesting but it's kind of hard i don't know i don't know how you feel but the older i get the more time i have like taken away from gaming it just makes me stick more to playstation because it's like i don't have time to be like investing in other fucking like atmospheres i feel like in college i was more ambiguous with playing like definitely more uh, ambiguous especially more in Nintendo college. than i did definitely more ambiguous in college definitely had a few crazy <laughs> crazy late nights you know <laughs> but um but yeah i feel like i was more curious more you know diverse in my yeah. gaming just in gaming. Just yeah. in gaming. No, I mean, I get it. I think else. that there's... I agree with the getting older. It's like I kind of just want to put all of my time into PlayStation. On top of the Switch is getting more stinky, right? Every year it's getting a little bit older. So it makes it that much harder to go from playing a PlayStation 5 game that's going to be buttery smooth to going to the Nintendo. And the fact that they're, I feel like, kind of synonymous with releasing a couple of great games at the beginning of their life cycle and then not having too much after that because we had Odyssey... Breath of the Wild, and then Mario Kart 8 again. And so 
I feel like there's not a lot to kind of like stretch that out. But also, where are my manners? You asked me how I was. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm just chilling. Like I said, three coffees deep, so just living life. I'm wired and good. tapped in today. But um, for for you know our little weekly banter, uh, you wanted to talk about a potential concert yeah, we're we going to. Well, you're going definitely. I yeah, I'm going to go to a show uh, very soon here this week for Starfucker. Not as aggressive as it sounds. Very laid back band, but really good music. I've listened to them since like middle school ish. Really enjoy them. I guess some kind of fun, maybe background lore for people is that when I first met Liz, uh, like a long time ago, five six years ago. Now I one of the first things that I tried to invite her to was a Starfucker concert, and she was busy, so we couldn't go together. But that was just uh, now they're back, and so I'm going to go see them. And I think Joel might come, but I'm excited for that because I like them. They're a good band. They'll have a very fun stage presence. They'll probably have like dancers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and oh, it's a big true? band too. I think it's it's four or five members and a lot of like keyboard synths, you know, drum, guitar, bass. So it'll be cool. And it's a big venue. I won't say exactly where it is just because. If you know, then you know, but I don't want to give you like my ASL, but it's a, it's a good venue. So it's exciting and, you know, decently priced. So it'll be a good time. Definitely. I mean, I think it's probably at my favorite venue for like a smaller so. band. That, actually, I don't know. I think that I like, I like that venue, but then I also like the one that's right attached to it. That's also tight that we saw when we saw waves. That's a good venue for like a smaller level than that. Like of it, I feel like that venue and the plaza yeah, are like similar I totally size. agree. I, I think so. And then but then and in between those I like the one that we're going to more, but then in the smaller venues all around Orlando, I like the one that's Yeah, tied I to think that so. End. I like that one too. I think for past concerts I don't mind saying where I also like Will's Pub. Will's Pub doesn't do enough stuff, but I like Will's Pub when they when they host events. Yeah, and honestly, House of Blues is pretty good when we saw Hippo Campus. I had never been to House of Blues before, but I was like, yeah, oh, this Hobbit's is solid. Nice. And then Plaza Live is a classic too. Plaza Live can be a little lazy though, depending on how much kind of production they want to put into it, because it can be really nice, but sometimes yeah. they don't do that much. When we saw yeah, that Gucci was cool. There, that was, that's true. That was a really good show. That's true. And then when we saw Last Dinosaurs there, I mean, they were opening, but still, it was there wasn't too much going on. Yeah, pretty low energy. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's funny. The other day I was thinking to myself, just only myself, nobody else knows, knows that I had this thought, but I was like, damn, I haven't been to a show in a minute. And I was like, I want to go to a show. And then you were like, earlier this week, you're like, yeah, you want to go see this? And I was like, ah, maybe. Cause I feel like when I go like two, three months without seeing a show, I'm like, I want to do that. That's fun. Like I miss. The, yeah, like, of course. The energy. crazy thing too is, is that we've talked here on the show before about there's a festival going on in Utah later this year called Kilby Block Party that has a really sick lineup. And they're the band that kind of really has been driving me to want to go there is Surf Curse. And they announced a tour recently that's like just Florida, like just our cities around us. And it's right before that festival. So I, th- that's a, I think that the chances of that are extremely low. Florida is normally. Yeah, I feel like that's 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 got that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. Florida is normally a state that a lot of artists like to skip. And then so not only are they coming here and doing a bunch of shows, they're doing it at 
again, our favorite venue, the one that we'll probably be at tomorrow. So <laughs> I, don't know, I think it'll be a good time. I don't know how the festival is looking, but we're going to see because that was my main driver. But there's still a lot of people that I'd be interested in. So we'll just have to see how that looks over time. Yeah, I think Pamela was like, when she saw that, she was like, oh, I definitely have to now like see them like this kind of like resolves like the pressure of going to the the festival because like you said that was also her main driver to see them um i would be down to see them i i haven't really been able to honestly get into the new album that i know you and pam both love like i I know you said the second half is better than the first half and i think that's maybe what it is every time i try to i try to listen to albums like front to back and then i feel like it just kind of loses me within like the first four five songs and i'm just like i'm like this is good but it's nothing like you it's a it's a singles type of album to me it's one of those albums where there's select songs that i think are fantastic on it and actually funny enough even though i really love music and that's not too much of a surprise i love going to shows and stuff like that i rarely ever listen to albums for the first time all the way through front to back if it's an artist that i'm excited for really and it's like a release i've been following and i you know i listen to the singles that come out pre-release Maybe those are the albums that I'll listen to front to back. But a lot of times I'll get into artists, listen to some of their top hits and then maybe go whatever is their hottest album. But I normally shuffle. I normally don't like to go in order. So but anyway, I'm talking a lot to basically say that with that Surf Curse album, I think that I just got into it with a couple of singles. And so there's a couple of songs that I really Mm -hmm. love on it. And some of them that are good, but not great. But I've never really listened to it top down. I think the only song in the first half that I think is a banger is Self-Portrait. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty solid song. You know what's funny is I like only... Like, I feel like for me to get... I'm not... And I'm also not as big as a music fan. So maybe this is me trying to like put on airs and be something that I'm not. But uh, I feel like you have to listen to it front to back just to like kind of get the idea of the album see how it flows into each other and stuff like that and i think really why i did that is because the first like band that i started well i mean i listened to other bands before this but this was like the first one when i admitted to you that tame impala was good and i started getting into them that was like a band where i listened to the album front to back and i was like oh i should do this with like every new artist that i encounter that i like listen to the albums front to back like I did that um, recently. I don't. I don't know if I told you this, but I've been getting into Beach House, listening to Beach House, and I've been listening to Teen Dream. And I was, first time I did it, I did it front to back, just you know, get the get the vibe of the album, see if they can build an actual like solid album. As well, yeah. So just, I mean, like, I think singles. that with what you're saying, I agree with. But I think there are artists that make conceptual albums and albums that flow together well. I mean, funny enough, you did say two artists that. Are kind of known for making ba- like <laughs> albums that flow together, but I think a majority of albums don't. I feel like a majority of albums are just so, especially at least in the genres that I listen to or we listen to. I think of a lot of songs stand alone, but yeah, I mean Tim and Paula, they all flow together. Beach mm-hmm. House, extremely so, they flow together. And I mean, I'm glad that you're listening to Beach House. I mean, that's another one where. I know that now everyone knows them, right? And all that stuff. But I've been listening to them too since way back. I saw them at um, the venue that we say that we love that I'll mention again once we're not there. Uh, I've seen them there. They're really yeah. they're really great. Teen Dream is great. I think that's the one from 2010. That's like the cream and white colored album. Um, they've, I, yes. They don't really have any misses. I think their self-title is great. Teen Dream is good. Um, what else? We have Majorette is really good. 
In Bloom, uh, in Bloom is, a, is a great album too. And then obviously Depression Cherry, I think is their best album, but some people, you know, like are mixed on it. I'm sure if you've even heard this. Really? People well, are mixed you know, on people that like, I thought that that was like the one well, yeah, that like, but, you people, know, people like to People like to bullshit, right? People like to be like, oh, Tame Impala was the uh, best on their first album. Well, it's a great album, but let's not act like Currents isn't great. And, you know, so like stuff like that, where people would be chows for Depression Cherry. They're like, oh, Space Song is good, but this album, yeah, the rest of the album is really good, too. So let's not let's not try to act too cool for your own good. Right. It's just it's it's obviously like they're hit exactly. for a reason. So but yeah, I think that there are for me, there's certain albums that where you should listen to them front to back. And then there is a lot of albums where I think shuffling is fine. For a first listen yeah but um but yeah so yeah with beach house i started at teen dream because i feel like their three iconic albums are the teen dream and bloom and then depression cherry i feel like those are the three that everybody always talks about so i was like let me just start in the middle where it's fire and then i was like i'll start at the beginning of like their like trajectory of becoming like very big and I, i'm definitely enjoying it i'm kind of jealous you got to see them a lot because it sounds like it would be cool like with their visuals and shit yeah, like it that awesome. it sounds like it'd be a good show it was like a, a fantastic show. show it really was it was a good time. But this is a PlayStation show, right? So we should probably start talking about some games <laughs> here almost 20 minutes in. Let's talk about what you're playing. So why don't you why don't you let me know what you're playing and then I'll All go right. after. So uh, I finally got got my pause on Dead Space Remake. And let me tell you, oh boy, oh boy, this is a fucking banger of a game i was actually called mark earlier this week and i told him i had to make a public announcement i had to make a public apology forever defending callisto protocol after playing the dead space remake i'm literally only in chapter two i and also just a refresher on my history with the game i played the first game on ps3 um not when it came out actually mark got me into dead space i think he bought me dead space for my birthday or dead space 2 one of those when we were kids and i think he i think he let me lend or borrow let me borrow dead space from him originally played it loved it like maybe like two three years after it was released platinum it and everything and then um now revisiting it in this remake it's also uh the first remake that me and mark have ever played where it's a game that's being remade from our childhood that we actually grew up and have fond memories of the original so it was interesting to approach it from that angle and like it holds up. The changes don't bother me. I actually think it changes it for the better, modernizes it, makes it very good. But back to my original point, fucking Callisto Protocol is so bad. After playing the Dead Space remake, I feel bad for even ever defending that game because this game just blows it out of the water. Dead Space's ambiance is fucking fantastic. The world is so much better. I was telling Mark specifically, the first collectible that I that I found right before you leave and step on foot on the Ishimura Tells you, gives you more backstory than all the collectibles that in Callisto Protocol combined. So I think that this is just a fantastic game. But easy game of the year contender. And we were talking about game of the year and how remakes would factor into it. But a lot of the new games that are original IP this year have have a high bar to reach because this game is. It's yes, there's a couple of points to break down there. So first I'll say that I, I don't remember if I gifted you one of them because at the time it was, you know, we were young enough that I probably didn't have cash to do that. However, I do specifically remember that I had Dead Space 1 and 2 on disc, so I probably did let you borrow them. I know I had Dead Space 1 like as it came out and then Dead Space 2, I had the greatest hits, like the red cover for it. You did? I thought you... See, I, the way I remembered it, I think you... I, I know I borrowed Dead Space from you, 
and then I thought you bought me Dead Space 2, but it was like we were like so past, like we I was so behind. I mean, maybe it was like 20 bucks or something I don't even like remember. That. I mean, that's a long time ago. Maybe. Who knows? So, I mean, that's 10 it plus years ago time, now man. at this point. So I so let's see. So we'll, let me let me start with the game of the year thing, right? So I think that so I'm playing Dead Space as well. I'm a little bit farther than where Joel is. Not that much though. I'm on the third chapter. I also think it's absolutely stellar. I think the design choices that are different and remixed are very smart, well thought out. They add to the experience. Nothing so far has made me feel weird you know since it's something that we did play so much i i'm loving all of it there's no changes that i think are really bad or even for the worst so really excellent game and definitely a game of the year contender just in terms of objective quality there's no question about it but it's an interesting year right where we have this we're gonna have resident evil 4 and then if we're lucky we might have silent hill 2 at the end of the year now silent hill 2 would probably be the lowest just because of the team no disrespect to to bloober but if all of those games are really fantastic. We're going to need a really ridiculous original IP to kind of come in and be able to compete as a game of the year contender. All that I was saying is that I would vote for a game like Dead Space to be game of the year, but I would be happier if there is a game that is original. So we were saying, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, that if an original IP game came out that was the same quality as Dead Space, we would give it to the original one just because it was original. But if nothing is that same level, then of course, it would just be Dead Space. So we wouldn't give something a really unfair bump just because it's original because it has to be better. I mean, Dead Space isn't just good because it's Dead Space. It's even like the little details where it's just... I, I just said actually right before we started rolling, one of the things that made me like make a sound right that aroused me is that when you are walking back from a necromorph and you click to sprint you actually sprint backwards while still aiming forward i don't understand why other games don't do this like the movement feels realistic and natural and it and um yes there's there's a lot of really fantastic really fantastic parts about it and yeah callisto i mean i thought callisto was all right it was enjoyable but yeah that (laughs) shit was booty from the start i'm glad you see that now I think, yeah, I think it's like Dead Space was like a splash of water in the face. And I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like Callisto, I think Callisto Protocol, I was just so like thirsty. I was like craving a Dead Space like game and no game really has really captured Dead Space's energy since it came out. There's not really many sci-fi horror games. I know Alien Isolation is one that you love that came out. And I know like Soma, too, is a little bit of sci-fi, but not really as combat heavy. So Dead Space was like its own unique thing. It was like the only it's the only game that rivals Resident Evil, I feel like, and Silent Hill, too, in terms of being like one of the greatest horror games and a classic horror game. So when Clo- uh, Closto came out, I was just happy to play something that was kind of similar to it. And I was like, oh, it's not too bad. But then when you re- when it's compared to this remake and even probably the original, if I went back, you just realize where Callisto it fell flat on a lot of things in terms of lore, story, uh, motivation. Like Dead Space is so it's so good. It's like a good movie. It has like a lot of energy from like the original Alien with like the confined corridors and the Ishimura is a character itself, and it's like so fucking cool. Like Dead Space is so fucking good. I forgot. I, I like I was talking to Mark too. I was like I forgot. Like Dead Space is legitimately like a probably possibly I have to break it down like a top 10 game all time for me. I don't think top five, but like I can see it in that seven to 10 range for me personally, just like 
don't know. This 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 remake. Yeah, is no, a I agree. I was remake. in the same boat there, where I think it's definitely in the top ten. Getting top five is really difficult, but that's because you're we're bringing in games of all categories at that point. And so, if it's just survival horror, right? No mm-hmm. question. But talking yeah, with Alien Isolation and Soma, while those are great games, it's true. One of the things lacking is this kind of excellent combat. Now. One of the things that I feel like makes Dead Space so special is that it is scary and you're still really strong. So uh, show that we're a fan of here, Sacred Civils, right? One of the hosts said that he kind of articulated it well, saying that as you get more powerful in Dead Space, you're still scared. And that's one of the things that's like really thrilling about it. Where in Callisto, you're kind of just, it's not even like you're really strong, but the melee kind of negates the game from being scary because... When they get yeah. close, you have an option. In Dead Space, when they get close, you're like, "Oh fuck, I gotta like figure something out." Stasis them, throw something at them to like knock them you off can or swing, take their legs out. But it doesn't do a like, lot. I feel like Callisto really. Yeah, I know you can. Yeah, yeah the swing yeah. doesn't do much. There's a trophy to stomp them out. You got to stomp yeah, out. Yeah, it's, 10 it's really it's really great stuff. And then, like you said, basically just echoing what you're saying, the Callisto. A lot of that stuff is kind of just kind of a hollow shell of it. Even the collectibles, they don't really something that the collectibles in Callisto didn't do a good job is they don't really tell any stories they give you like demographic information on each character but they don't really tell a story which is something that's really nice it's one of the best parts of games like bioshock even last of us reading notes where they're characters that you don't see but you're kind of getting a story through those collectibles and dead space does the same thing so it really i mean yeah really just a seller game i really don't have anything negative to say yeah and then also, this is a great thing that all great video games should do. When you pick up an audio log, you should still be able to fucking move around. Callisto Protocol did not do that. And there's few... I mean, there's games that come out this year that probably will not do that still, but that is just... That's my favorite. When Every time that happens, I'm like, this is fucking a fantastic game. Yeah, some, of everything. Some, some games don't and learn. Then, yeah. And then was there one more thing I wanted to talk about with Dead Space that I, I mean, I'll just pick forgot. up and maybe you'll you'll remember. I mean, another thing is the the remix is very smart in the way that if you're somebody who hasn't played the original, something that you probably won't notice is that a lot of the gameplay things that they that make it so fluid are kind of things that they took from Dead Space 2 and remixed into it. So they did a really smart job of kind of using everything in their arsenal from the Dead Space 1, 2, and 3, 2 just make it feel correct and so it's really impressive in the sense that even if you played it a lot originally it's still gonna surprise you and it just feels so good to play yeah oh this is what i was gonna say i wanted to ask you what difficulty you're playing it at because i started off on normal but i was like this is way too fucking easy and bumped it up to hard because I was like, yeah, I I'm actually more playing scary. it on normal, and I don't know how quickly the difficulty will spike for you, but I started dying in chapter three on normal. So I'm leaving it on normal okay. because I, so I don't know sense. if they're keeping it like true to the old one, but I remember Dead Space always being kind of hard, even though we're good. So I'm just leaving it at, at normal to mm-hmm. enjoy it, and then I'll bump it up to the higher one, higher ones later. And then what do you think about the, the trophy, the trophy list? list? fine. It's a, it's very different from the first one, so I'm kind of interested with the impossible yeah. edition. I mean, that's Are one of those things where I'm a very later down the line kind of guy with trophies. I don't really decide if I'm getting the platinum until I'm honestly more than halfway or a little bit close, because 
You know, years ago, we used to do it where we'd get a game, look at the trophy guide and kind of start right off the rip with the guide. I haven't done that in years because I feel like it kind of takes the fun away. So I just do a regular traditional playthrough. And then depending on how far I get, I'll decide if I do it or not. If I'm going to take a guess, I would assume that, yeah, because if a game is this high quality and if it's not that long, it's like I don't mind multiple playthroughs, which I guess is kind of odd. If a game is like 60 hours in one campaign, I might be hesitant to finish it. But if a game is like 10 hours, I'll finish it like 10 times. So it'll add up to be way longer, but for, it's more yeah. digestible to me. So short answer is, yeah, I think with Dead Space, I probably would end up going for it. I'll just have to see how much harder it gets. Yeah, and that's also another thing too. I was playing it on hard to just kind of test because impossible is just the hard level difficulty, but I believe you only have one save or you can't even die at all. And it just like automatically goes to the um, main menu and like restarts the game or you continue the game. No, no, no. So I just want to make sure because it's not that harsh. It's you don't have checkpoints, but you can save your game. So if you die, I believe you can go back to your save, but there's no checkpoints. I think you can't oh, go you back can't to your save. What's the point in saving then? Just so if you don't die, I you can come I back? F- yeah. I guess, yeah. But yeah, I don't think you can die like at all. I think that's why it's like called impossible. But I may, be, I may be wrong, but I think that's what the point is. But if you can new game plus it, I don't think it's going to be that hard. I can hopefully they let you new game plus it because then it'll make it like slightly more bearable. But obviously there's that tension of like I, I wonder can't if they'll scale once. it like in Last of Us when you do a, a plus run through. It's difficulty plus, so it's scaled to it. I'm, I'm curious if they do that here too because I want oh. it might be easier regular, but I doubt it. I feel like new game plus, even if they did make it harder, it would still be easier. I think that's very much a specific Last of Us thing. Last of Us is very good about their difficulty levels, and I know you are very well versed in that. But like, they're they put a lot. They of do. Care they do a good job that. of making it customizable. Although I'm right now playing it on Grounded Plus, and you can't customize any of the difficulties because this would be like the maxed out. This is as hard <laughs> as it could be. But it's New Game Plus, and I have my stuff, and I've been playing like Last of Us so long that it's not that difficult to me anyway. I had a lot of trouble with one chapter, but I'm past that now. That's normally how they go. Like with Last of Us 1, there's one chapter that always is very difficult on high difficulties. But Last of Us... Is it the tunnel? It's not the tunnel because the tunnel, you can... The tunnel, you don't have to kill everyone. You can sneak a certain way. Um. The part I'm talking about is... I mean, this isn't really a spoiler. I mean, if you're listening to the show and you're now interested in playing Last of Us 1, that's fantastic, but I'm not worried about spoiling it because that game is 10 years old. The part I'm talking about is when you're playing as Ellie and you are going through the factory with David, towards the end, you're stuck in a room with him and it's like waves of enemies, but you only have you oh, only have her yeah. bow and arrow, but you have to fight. That's the thing. You can't stealth and you can't do anything else. And you have very limited ammo. So you have to be really resourceful with Molotovs, bricks, and your arrows. Like you have to make sure you retrieve your arrows once you get headshots. So that one was really, really difficult. But I mean, I completed it. So wasn't hard enough. Yeah. Oh, and I got yeah, you're a badass. I got my uh, Elden Ring hey, PlayStation yo. Stars campaign done. So. Oh shit, good shit. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that on the show, but yeah, congratulations. You got the first uh, January I Horror Game Club trophy. Now I'm 
Now and the I'm February one I technically that. already I'll have because that was Sifu. And I haven't had the February one pop Maybe up just because you haven't campaigns. played Sifu. That would be my guess. That's uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess you're right because I did at least start up Elden Ring. So yeah, maybe I have to start up Sifu to see if I can get it to start up. But I feel like that'd be a good uh, stream idea. You trying to carry me in Elden Ring to beat yeah, this? Yeah, I mean to get there. And I not can, that you I can, can carry, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not this many. No, yeah, of course. I mean, we can we can yeah. do that. It's a you know it's a game that I'm new to in the co-op sense, so you'll have to play a decent portion on your own to get items to be able to summon me in. But yeah, I mean that would be a that would be a good stream okay. idea. I'd be definitely down to help with that. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. And then also, difficult games are you know, I feel like those are good to stream. People like watching people. Oh get yeah, their absolutely. <laughs> but um, what else have you been playing this week, Mark? Has anything else tickled your fancy? I mean, obviously, you got the Elder. Yeah, thing actually, the the other big kind of random thing that just came in is I started playing Resident Evil Eight kind of out of nowhere, and so I went ahead and I beat the Shadows of Rose expansion, and then I was playing Mercenaries mode and. So you know, you know, there's a the trophy for the platinum where you have to get at least an S rank on all of the mercenaries levels, and this was like the hardest trophy, kind of the thing keeping me from really going after it initially. And I know when they did this expansion, we saw in patch notes that one of the things they changed is now enemies will track Ethan or whoever you're playing as because there's multiple characters, but they will go to you quicker than they would prior, which is good because you need combos to get a really high score. So if an enemy was really far away, that would be a problem. So I spent, uh, you know, I was actually streaming a lot of it. So you might have caught that. If you didn't catch it, you can go to my Twitch at Ace Nighthawk and it will still be there archived. So I did that stream and basically got it getting through the mechanics of it, learning, figuring out what I need to do. And it's really important that you string together these combos. So you gotta like move in a weird way to make sure that you always have an enemy maybe in front of you and behind you. So if the timer starts to go down, it's really stressful, but it's a lot of fun. Long story short, I got triple S on the first, triple S on the second, and double S on oh, the last shit. two. And I was like, hell yeah. And then the trophy didn't pop. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna get too scared yet. So I'm gonna go to the <laughs> internet. And I found out that it's not an S rank on all the levels. It's an S rank on all the levels and all of the hard versions of the levels. So I did the S ones, oh but now I have to do God. the hard ones where enemies do more damage, take more damage, and you have less weapons. So I'm not out of the woods yet. And so I did that, did Shadows <laughs> of Rose, and then now I'm just doing playthroughs of the regular game in third person. So Resident Evil 8, if you guys don't know my opinions on it, I think it looks good, but it's not. I'm not really a huge fan of it. I think it's the layout and the order in which you kind of attack the levels is kind of anticlimactic to me, and the story gets a little too wacky, which I won't spoil because it is not that old of a game, but the story gets a little too out there for me. So, But the Shadows of Rose one was actually pretty cool. I thought they did a good job of remixing locations you've been to in a way that feels new enough and fun. And it was a decent length. I mean, it was a few hours. And for Resident Evil, for an expansion, I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, the Resident Evil games are notoriously, you know, known for being kind of short once you know how to, you know play them and get through them and solve all the puzzles like obviously i feel like all of them have the speed run trophies and that even goes back to its roots where you unlock certain characters and weapons for doing speed runs 
So a uh, short like DLC thing. It's like basically like another third of the yeah. And this one has a speedrun. Or tro- uh, the base campaign has a trophy for doing it under three hours. So I still have to do that too. But Resident Evil is one of those games where it's a lot of playthroughs. It's the speed run. It's all the difficulties. Mm-hmm. It's do it with less than ten healing items, and so they're famous for that. But yeah, once you get through them and you unlock all the extra weapons and all the side stuff. It makes a lot of the later playthroughs easier and more fun. But I will say one of the best memories when I didn't know about Resident Evil Unlockables was playing Resident Evil 2 for the first time on the hardest difficulty with no extras. That was a great experience. That shit was hard. That shit was really fucking... That almost made me like not beat the game. I remember the first... What is the... I don't remember the numbers, but I know what you're talking about. When you... I think it's... I think it's like G one, yeah. two, and three, Broke or whatever. It's like the main. You're talking about when you, yeah, when you fighting. go under the police station for the first time and you're fighting Birkin and the like. It's like mazes of pipes where smoke comes out, right? Yeah. Oh my god! Yes, that shit was fucking infuriating because I don't think I had enough ammo or I didn't have like the right ammo for the right gun, and I was like, I'm gonna not beat this game, and I loved the game so far, and I was like, I wanted a trophy. I ended up platinuming Resident Evil Two. But I was like, Jesus fucking yeah, Christ, I re- this is hard as shit. Yeah, was awesome. I, had a game I remember like that. I got through all of the game pretty smooth. And then the one that took me forever to get past was fighting. It was after you get into the lab and he gets big. When Birkin gets big, so like the second version of him before the elevator. This is when you're in like a circle arena where he's throwing like canisters at you. That shit was so hard for me because I didn't have... I had the ammo that was in the arena, so I had to make like every shot count. And then, of course, if you get hit, it's like you die so fast because I don't know if it was in two, but I know like seven and eight had like the medallions where you regain health. I didn't have any of that. So that's why I was just playing it with no extras and it sounded like you Mm -hmm. were too. So, But there's something thrilling about it when it's that difficult. When you beat it, it feels that much better. It feels so fun. That's how I felt with um, Colt of the Lamb with those trophies for beating the final bosses and not taking damage. When I finally got that done, I was like, yeah, it oh, feels good, feels man, as good. we like to say here. Feels, yeah. feels, feels so good, good man. man. But um, what else, have you been playing anything else outside well, of the, the Horde? You've been definitely well, both of us the have just games. been playing a lot of Warzone, right? So, I mean, I there's not really anything else, I guess, besides Dead Space and Resident Evil that I have much to discuss on do you have anything else um i have a, what i've been playing kind of like antidote story something that i figured out a cheat code for work that will make work much more enjoyable so um at my job there's this thing so i'm trying to be as vague as possible tonight like you know give up where i work but there's this thing where you go somewhere and you wait on clients and um, you have to be stationary at this position and it's a rotating thing between, you know, the staff where you have your certain days where you go, we're a little understaffed. We had a few people get promoted out. So then um, I've been going to this, this part of my job where I have to kind of be stationary and wait for clients to come to me. Um, and I have to go there now Monday, Wednesday and Friday because me and the other um, employer just kind of switching off every other day. And then when I was there, um, they have Wi-Fi there. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, I was like, I wonder if I can stream my PlayStation from here and it, will, it, will, will it work? And I was like, if it, that works, then I need to bring my backbone with me. So today I 
did the remote play from my phone and I was playing Persona 4 Golden on uh on remote play with the touch screen. It works fine. It works like amazingly. I can't wait till Friday. I'm gonna bring my backbone and I might, you know, dabble a little dead space. You have your AirPods in, it's like you're fully fucking immersed. And I was like, this is fucking fa- I fucking love remote play. I I'm saw you sign in in the middle works. of the day. I get the phone notifications. I saw that and I was like, what is this motherfucker yeah. doing at like two PM? Yeah, I was at, I was I got the I was just at like a at the location. Yeah, it's awesome though. It's surprising how good remote play is. I don't have the backbone, but just I remember testing it out one time and just being surprised at how actually snappy the response is away from your home network. Yeah, so and then next time I do that, I'm also going to leave my PlayStation wired in so that way it's like a more stronger connection. But it was honestly it ran pretty well. Like, and I, I was playing Persona, so it's turn based, so it's a little bit slower of a game. But I want to test it out with like a Need for Speed or something like that, because Need for Speed, I think, would be like a fun, like kind of mindless game to play. Wow, I'm just like kind of sitting the and waiting for that one. Definitely, yeah. No, I can't. That's why I'm, I'm Friday. I'm going to test it all out. Hopefully, I get like max appointments, and I'm there from like eight thirty to twelve, and just fucking chill out and the guy that's at that place i gotta be at he's also like he likes video games too he's like oh what are you doing what are you playing and then i was like jamming out the persona and he's like oh i totally get it he you know he's he's a gamer like does he actually understand i'm confused does he know what persona is oh great yeah no he knows what persona is because i was like i was like because i was like he's like what are you listening to right now i was like oh i'm listening to the persona music and then he was like oh i was like i totally understand because i was singing the heartbreak heartbreak Pam knows that because I've been singing that all the time when we're just alone. Just it is. it's fucking. Persona yeah, I told you. You're playing. You're playing tier. Persona Four, and I'm playing so Persona good. Three. And Liz knows the Persona Three music. There's certain ones that she hears that she likes. Yeah, and they're really, really dumb. Like they're good, but some of the lyrics are really stupid on one of them. And if you played Persona Three, I'm sure you know mm-hmm. which one I'm talking about. There's like, it's like a little bit jazzy, <laughs> and there's like a guy rapping. But some of the things he says are like really clean oh, and sure. really dumb. He's like, you better watch out so that you don't hurt nobody. Like it's like like stuff like that. But it's it's good. <laughs> and the music is pretty catchy. But um Yeah, okay, so backbone. I haven't been playing anything else. The next thing would just be Warzone, but that blends us into the news whenever you're ready. Um yeah, that's that's all that's all I wanted to share. I wanted to share my antidote. Remote plays amazing, give it a try. Get a backbone. It's worth Perfect. it. Perfect. All right. So Warzone. Now, we talk about it a lot. We play it a lot. I feel like for this moment in time, it might be better to just kind of hop into the news and we can discuss that rather than talking about what we've recently been doing in the game. So we've been following Warzone. Of course, Season mm-hmm. 2 was supposed to launch at the beginning of the month on February 1st, and then they delayed it to February 15th, essentially a two-week delay, and didn't give a lot of information as to why or basically what would be coming. But today, on the day that we're recording, lucky for us, they actually posted a Season 2 roadmap. So I'll go through the roadmap briefly. If you want to know more about this, you can go to the Call of Duty blog website, and they'll give a full breakdown for all things if you're more interested in a certain area of the game that we might not cover here, but I'll hit everything at a top level. And then we'll probably talk over some of the minutia of things that we're actually interested. Cause we mostly just play Warzone BR, not resurgence too much. So got the roadmap here with me. The big ticket item right off the bat is going to be Ashika Island, which is going to be the new resurgence map. And this is kind of that rumored castle map that we had heard about thinking that it might be a six V six map. And it's actually a resurgence map. So they go ahead and detail 
it and show a couple of points of interest for it. The leaks that we had about the operator were accurate. It is Ronan, who is a returning operator from 2019. They didn't say anything about the guest operators. We know that there's supposed to be three guest operators every season, but it's not in the roadmap, so I'm not sure when they're going to announce that. So we have a Sheikah Island. We have Ronin. In terms of some of the gameplay changes, some of the things are coming at launch and some of them are coming in season. So we'll start with the ones that are at launch. At launch, we're going to have a 1v1 Gulag instead of 2v2. Some of the changes to that that they've said, no jailer. Instead of a jailer, your overtime is going to be a flag like traditional Gulag. You're going to go into it with a little bit more SMGs, ARs, rather than just pistols and shotguns. When you leave, you get to keep your loadout. And in addition to items on the ground that you can pick up, there will be cash on the ground now for the first time in the Gulag. So you can actually scoop that up while you're fighting to leave with a little bit more cash um, and your weapons. So you'll have a better chance when you come back. Uh, Another thing they added is they're adding a vehicle. They're adding a water vehicle. They're, They're calling it the personal watercraft it's a jet ski right so there's going to be a jet ski now in the game and then some of the stuff that's going to be coming in season is a redeploy drone i think this is going to be similar to the redeploy balloons from caldera now the one thing that i do want to mention here that is like an asterisk because i need better clarification than just what was in the blog post is they said it's going to be on a Sheikah island but they didn't say al mazra so so is Ashika Island like a new point of no, interest? No, Ashika Island Al-Mazra? is a whole. So you think think of um like resurgence, like those small maps. Yeah, okay, Ashika so Island a is a side thing. thing, but they're saying redeploys will be okay. on that, and then there'll be a new contract in season, and a new public event, and some of those other things. And then there's some D- DMZ inf- information. There'll be new missions, a new faction, new boss, and so. Just kind of based on the roadmap, in terms of Almazra, the only thing that's really here for Almazra is, you know, the Gulag and some of the weapons and features, but for the map itself in around Sadiq Caves, where it's basically Afghan from MW2, there'll be a crashed plane that is now in like an open section where it used to be. And so they're kind of teasing like, oh, go into this plane to find loot and mysteries. So the only update... There's no brand new POIs, but the only update to the map will be a crashed plane there that I guess we can look at and get more details on later. Now, in terms of weaponry, at launch, we're going to have four weapons, and then there will be a fifth weapon that will be added mid-season. So the four weapons are a new assault rifle, the ISO Hemlock, a new shotgun, the AV Broadside Crossbow, which you can do with a challenge, dual Kadachis, and then mid-season, there will be a Marksman Rifle. So... That's most okay. of the stuff. Now, there is a lot of details about multiplayer. I don't know if either of you are interested in that too much. And there is a new raid, but those things, I feel like at that point, if you want to read about them, you can hit it in the blog. I don't want to like bore people too much. I don't play that much MP, although I know that there's not that much support for it. And you know that because even the new maps are Dome, which is just from Almazra. And then the other map <laughs> is Museum, which if you played the beta, that was in the multiplayer beta, but got cut from the game because of licensing issues. So they're really just re-adding that. So multiplayer is not getting a lot new, and then their ranked play is getting added in. So I talked a lot. Um, Joe, you can definitely unmute if you would like to join the conversation. You play a lot of Warzone with us. And then, Joel, what, what, how does this strike you so far? Did you look at the roadmap? I have it pulled up right here. I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, 
I mean, it strikes me as a lot of what I like the most is not really being supported in terms of BR. Um, they, I, they've always made a big, um, like a big point of emphasis to always add to the um, smaller maps, like Resurgence. Like Resurgence, I felt like always got a lot more love than regular BR because I'm pretty sure they obviously know from their player accounts. I guess more people play Resurgence than they do regular BR because ever since like Verdance when they introduced it and Goddata, like they've always shown that more love with even giving that more game modes, more maps, more points of interest, just kind of more stuff that's focused around that. And having more limited time modes where it's like just that. Um, what I care about doesn't seem to really be supported. Uh, the changes making it back to being kind of basic BR with the 1v1 Gulag is a good change. I did laugh when you said traditional Gulag. And I'm, in my mind, I was like, yeah, traditional Gulag. Just like a, just like how Stalin wanted it to be. Um, just like it was back in the day. But then, uh, yeah, just like it was back in the day when Stalin was throwing you in the fucking... In the Prisoners are just throwing rocks at each other. But... um. Exactly. But then the balloon thing from Cadera, that's going to be fun in terms of like being able to be more mobile and like faster, like ways to travel, especially on foot. So, you know, we're not as vehicle reliant and not having to always have 17 LTVs, but which I'm not against, but, you know, just not always in main priority. And then, um, but yeah, other than that, I really kind of just feel like this is all a lot of uh, cosmetic shit that I really don't care for. And I was a little upset to not even know who the guest operators are. Cause those can sometimes be a little fun depending on who they are. I know we were talking about who, what, what, what characters would and make there's us a lot of money. options. It's just that and, um, it depends what direction they want to go. And we were kind of saying our estimate would be, you know, since they did the soccer players for world cup, we could see maybe they'll do football players for a super bowl, which I could see, but that's not that interesting. At least not for us. We want more, of the, you know, Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, like some of those, because we already got we Bruce go. Willie, right? And so some of the other ones, right, we were saying like, what if they did a Mission Impossible T-Cruz pack, but it's like T-Cruz over the generations, like yeah, young, middle and old. So I agree. I don't, I think that I think I the overall thing with season two is like, I'm glad that they're coming out with the roadmap and they're adding stuff to it. But yeah, Ronan is an old operator. Kodachi's are old. ISO is old. I guess the shotgun is new. Jet ski's cool. The redeploy things, I don't even know if they're on all monster. They didn't say that clearly, but I, again, totally agree with what you're saying uh. where they're stretching themselves a little bit too thin where I think they, I wonder if they have numbers to support this, but I, I don't know if they think that people are playing, like if you play Call of Duty, you play all of these modes. That is not fucking true. If you play Call of Duty, you probably have one of these mm-hmm. that you really like, and that's the one that you stick with. So they have a broken player base where you have players in regular BR. You're now going to have Resurgence. You're also going to have DMZ. You're going to have the people that play 6v6 multiplayer. Then you also have people who play Ground War. Then you're going to have people who play Ranked. And so, and then you have Raids. But to be honest, th- with the no matchmaking and the fact that you have to like do preliminary steps to it i don't really understand if they opened that up maybe but the way it's closed off like the percentage of people that complete those has to be close to nothing yeah i mean it, i wouldn't i would be shocked if it's one percent complete completion rate on the raid but it's just yeah i don't know call of duty like we've been saying it's just kind of in a weird spot right now 
It doesn't really seem very additive. Everything that they brought to Warzone 2 is being taken away and it's reverting back to just kind of traditional Warzone. And I don't think the map has as many interesting points of interest as Verdance does. So the map is kind of suffering because, or the game mode is suffering because I guess the map is not pulling its weight. And it's not changing as much as I wish it was. And kind of how they made it seem like the way they promised with having so much content being already pre-planned and ready to go. We're working on season three when season one's out. Like I was like, oh, so we have big plans for Warzone 2, but it's just kind of changing it to regular yeah, to it's old odd. Warzone. It feels weird. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like Infinity Ward had the time and now they have all the support studios. So what is like what is really the problem? I mean, glad that we don't play a lot of multiplayer, but I mean, it'll be now by the end of this season, it would be about six months and they will have had realistically zero new multiplayer maps. They're getting a beta map back in and then they had Shoot House, Shipment and Dome, That's crazy. which are all old. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, now it's not just this roadmap that we're going through. There are a lot of other changes that they've kind of announced piecemeal in tweets and stuff like that. So when the season does launch, you'll see a lot more changes than what we just described. But even then, the way that they did the marketing was kind of confusing, right? We got a lot of our our information drip fed drip fed to us from my brother in our chat, and it's great that he's so tuned mm-hmm. in. But it's like we would get a little update one day, and then a little update later in that day, and it's like, okay, well. It even seems from the outside like you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. You should have a big marketing push and know what you're doing. But it just doesn't really seem that way. And I agree. I think that they're doing... They're doing... And I'm normally not that negative about Call of Duty really ever. They're doing the best they can to kill the game. Like, it's always a known thing to not split your player base too much. They're completely splitter, splitting it as much as they can and giving all of these less content than they would if they had less modes to focus on. So then everyone is disappointed. Yeah, I think... Honestly, ever since they remastered the uh, the 2019... Or not remastered, remake, reboot, whatever, uh, Modern Warfare... I feel like Call of Duty's been kind of on a steady decline with Cold War or uh, Vanguard and even Modern Warfare too. I feel like like it's been the bu- yeah, it's all boring old yeah, shit. That all they're of it. I mean, even for Vanguard, we didn't buy it or play it, but you know, zombies got revived when they added Shinonuma. And Cold War, I mean, Cold War had new maps, but they were multiplayer maps, and so it's like, is it does that really count? And okay, you might have had a bunch of modes, but just because you have a ton of modes, that doesn't mean anything if none of them are really high quality. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it just seems, it seems odd, you know. Just like you have the biggest franchise in the world, the biggest like uh, media product in the world. We were talking about it, or like a few months ago, where it's like. Modern Warfare 2, like the money it made, biggest outsold, launch like, all the ever for a Call of Duty slusher. How is that not helping yeah. you fund some like, extra stuff? You're kind of just blowing. Yeah, and it's just like I, there's you can't tell me there's not somebody who's there who's creative and wants to add new stuff and change it. But I mean, also may just be such a big, big operation that one little change like fucks everything up. So, I mean, that could be where it's like too big, where it's like just keeping it safe and just keeping it the status quo generates a certain level of money that they like and changing it maybe too much could make it 
like uh, yeah i know what you're not, saying because like, if you know if you do I a mean, change then i don't know but that's the thing though but nobody's change, playing it now bugs i think so that's why like i don't even it's know weird, right yeah because it, 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 let's see if it's if we're breaking it down and we're thinking you know they're probably using stats that say hey we have the most players in this mode this is what we need to support I mm-hmm. would be willing to bet that they have to, and if they don't, they're fucking morons. You would have to account for the fact that one is free and one is 70, right? Like, you would have to have that in the formula mm-hmm. that, of course, there are going to be more on the free. That doesn't mean that people just like that one more. It just means there was no barrier to entry. And also, how important is that $70 pop to you? If all the people that paid for your multiplayer and campaign get absolutely no support, they're not going to fucking buy the game next year. Because I can tell you this, Modern Warfare 2 is the last like big hoorah you could pull out of the can. They can't bring back another name that people are going to care about. This was it. So they don't have that cachet anymore. Yeah, they tried it with the Black Ops Cold War thing. So Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's definitely weird. I, I mean, know. it's kind of... The thing that is scary to me is that we know that this is a two-year Call of Duty, and I don't think it's starting out very strong. Yeah, but maybe it gives yeah. them enough time to get good, because I know like a lot of games of service games, like you know, like Destiny and all that, kind of find its footing like a year or two after its release, which is upsetting to say, because you would just want games to be good fresh out the gate. But I mean, hopefully it's good. But honestly, like we were talking earlier this week too. Games are so good right now. Like I got plenty of single player shit to play that if Modern Warfare 2 is not calling me for like Warzone 2 specifically is not calling to me or it's not like really doing it or I'm not looking forward to it or I don't want to keep up with the meta or really even give a shit, then uh, I'm totally fine with that because I mean, I got plenty of single player shit that's good to play and actually fun and enjoyable. That's another thing too, where it's like it is a competitive thing. So you also want it to be, you want to win too. And if the, if the game is not good and not and not that the game is not good it's not fundamentally a bad game but it's not interesting anymore we've already yeah. played this game yeah and so they gotta just kind of keep hours. it moving right you gotta keep updating it we're not even asking for that much just update it a little bit but add don't remove that's the thing is net i think we've had much more removed since it's come out than we've had added so yes i think that they have to do a better job with that of course we're going to play it because it's hanging out with the boys but they got to do something about that. I mean, yeah, getting, getting off, off with the with boys, the boys. Is what we say. But like we were also saying, it kind of sucks that now it's just a regular thing where games come out in an unfinished state. And so we have, I mean, not a lot said here, but the Forspoken director has come out and said that he promises to patch. And sorry, I said he I actually don't know who directed the game. So let me start there because I'm not actually following that. The Forspoken director promises to patch uh, improved performance and playability, right? I That game is not good. So, like, I don't... I, what are you going to patch? Like, just keep the game internal, fix it, and then do that. I don't... I read that headline, and I was like, what are you going to fix? The game's not good. Like, Saints Row said the same thing. Like, you just got to keep it, also, it in until it's good. And also, it's like... I feel like it's like a week and a half, two weeks since it's been released. That's something you say like when the game first comes out. Like you're talking about it now. Like, bro, Forspoken's done. Yeah, like, it's out of the conversation. Forspoken. Like the whole, it's out of the yeah, it's out of the zeitgeist. The whole hoopla about it, all that uh, uh, divisive energy behind it has now shifted to Hogwarts, and now that's a whole different other conversation that people are having about that game. But like, we got good shit now to play. Like, Forspoken's done. Like. I'm assuming it probably sold like shit and 
this guy and the director coming out now to say this is kind of just like you had to say this earlier and you also had to maybe fight for a delay to make it better, but are not better in terms of like the quality of like the story and all that stuff. But like the, I know it doesn't play well, has a lot of like visual bugs and it doesn't look as good as it was in the trailers. That's what most, uh, a lot of people are complaining about. So, I mean, it, they make it run smoother for the people that are playing it and that purchased it, make it a better game. But that's I mean, yeah, the thing too, where it's not done. one of those games where, Oh, it's got a stutter problem, but underneath it, it's very interesting. It, no, it's problem on problem. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because like you said, it's a little odd. It's not like a day one thing saying like, hey, we've got a day one patch to improve performance. You're kind of coming out later probably after they're seeing how weak the sales are. And that's not going to do it really mm-hmm. any better or make a difference, I wouldn't think. It just kind of stinks that we're used to games taking a long time and also coming out unfinished. I mean... Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it changes hopefully now changes. i got another thing here right because we've got more i'm kind of trying to flow these in so that they make sense with so take two i don't know if you saw this take two also came out and said that they think that marvel's midnight sun sold poorly due to the release window it was given now i understand that it's a marvel title but again they have to know that being a turn-based strategy for Axis game means that it's going to be a small audience. Right? I mean, I, they have to know that. I... I think so. I But the XCOM games do sell well, and I do think... So it's weird to say, because I do agree with them with them saying the release date of it being in December was weak, and it was not the best time. But then you saw something like Final Fantasy Crisis Core release and sell perfectly fine. But then you also well, saw Mid- something like Midnight, Midnight Suns um, came out the Callisto. same day as Need for Speed Unbound and Callisto. So yeah, I mean that's that's probably the highest quality game out of those three, but the least popular in yeah. terms of genre. So I and then Need for Speed and Final Fantasy sold pretty well. Sold Acmobile. What are you trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what you're trying to say, but it's they sold well. I don't know. They sold well. They sold well. They were in the top 10 of MPD. They did well. Callisto sold like really. really, Only really towards their expectations. Right? I mean, it didn't crack the top 10, which is shocking. And Final Fantasy Crisis Core, which is a remake of like a 10-year-old game, which wasn't much of a... It was more of a remaster than anything. You know... So I think I think expectations it did sell poorly, but also in general it sold poorly. Even if it was made for like half the budget, it sold poorly. But Midnight Suns is probably an expensive game just due to the licensing. And I do think that it was if it was released in like a different time period, it would sell better. That X that XCOM crowd does support and those games do sell well and they do have their like they do have yeah. their niche. But I just feel like they picked a bad time to release that game because a niche game kind of needs a more it needs more space to breathe. It was released like a, like we just named four brand new games that were all yeah, released I think in the same month. Like if it was in I the think summer, it would sell I think better. Sell I still better. don't think it would sell well because I think it has a number of things acting against it. Where you're right. So if XCOM games sell well, I can understand that it is like a storied franchise, very critically acclaimed, and that kind of stuff. But I feel like the people who are probably interested in that style of game are probably not like big Marvel fans, I would assume. And so I think Marvel, you're kind of trying Mm -hmm. to appeal to the most massive audience, but the game is not 
that style, it's going to be off-putting to people who are more casual players, I would imagine. So it just seems like a weird combination. And then in addition to, yeah, coming out the same day as much more like trying to be wide appeal hits of like Need for Speed and Callisto. So I don't know. It's just an odd, but also... I'm saying that because they announced that, but then they also announced that as part of a plan to try to reduce costs in 50 million, they're planning to lay off employees too. They said that like it wasn't developers, but Take Two said like this poor sales, and then also we plan on laying people off. And this is right after Disney said they laid off 7,000. Yeah, that's all. That's that's a little rough. I mean, we've been seeing a lot of major corporations uh, cut people, so it's just kind of. That general, I guess that general time in the uh, economic cycle where it's people are just kind of getting laid off. I guess there's an upcoming recession. They say they say we are in a recession. Well, I don't really know. Mark's more of a finance guy, so he can probably break that down a little more. I know a recession is two quarters that well, so it, don't so perform. So it's it's right? just like yeah, exactly. There you go. Negatively. So yeah, by, by definition, if I'm stepping in with the economics, the the basic thing is just. The reason why they're saying it like is technically not a recession is just because, like you said, you have to have negative GDP, negative gross product for like a certain actual period of time for it to be actually counted as a recession by definition. So they're trying to do their best to avoid that. But yeah, so the, a lot of these companies are laying people off. You know, it stinks to see. We saw that Xbox laid off people from multiple studios in previous weeks. And now Take-Two isn't saying that they're laying off developers. They're trying to say that it's going to be more corporate, maybe publishing people in the company but they're planning to do it and so i i think that you know with xbox they didn't really say anything about what they were planning for sales and stuff like that but with, with take two and midnight suns in my head i'm just like you you couldn't have thought that was going to be a slam hit because marvel is also not really the hottest that it's been that's also a slightly dying brand that's true they did pick it they it was a I think it's like a compounding of issues. Like the Marvel brand has definitely lost cachet ever since the Infinity War saga has ended and people have kind of felt a lot of different ways with the shows and even this new Ant-Man movie. I feel like it's like marketed like in a weird way where it's like, you have to watch this. This is an important movie. And it's like, you're kind of coming at me a little desperate. Like I'll watch this fucking Ant-Man movie when I fucking want to get to it. Like I don't like, I'm not uh looking forward to the next marvel movie or title or tv show or animated series or this or that because it's just too much now and it just kind of all seems pointless and obviously they're gonna you know hopefully bring it to a point and it makes sense but then by then if it's good then maybe i will jump in at that point but it's kind of like um too much of a good thing is what's what's happening with Marvel and the games are suffering for that. And I hope Spider-Man yeah, absolutely. 2 And the thing is, that. right, with the movies and the shows, that's a lot. They're asking a lot of us. But even then, it's a lower barrier to entry for price and it's less time. So you have a game that's a little bit more of a, of a niche genre that you know is a long game and it's $70. It's not... I think it's just a, a, trying to appeal to the wrong audience is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it does seem interesting. It seems like, and I have the trial downloaded, and I still haven't. Right? I don't know. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. just me. No, not because of Marvel. For me, it was just because I heard it has like persona like aspects with the out, like with the cast in the castle. Because I think you go to like the Xavier's castle or some shit like that. Like it does sound cool. Like 
and you know and also you talking about how long it is to beat i just looked up on how long to beat main story is 36 hours main stuff plus side 62 hours completion is 87 and a half and then the average all styles is 61 and a half hours to play this game so yeah that's and it should say enough that we're i would consider the most hardcore and neither of us purchased it we buy most of everything we We buy buy most of everything but even us (laughs) were like well you know Marvel is kind of whatever. And then I know that there is like, I don't know if I'm going to love this game because of the style of game. So, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll play the trial. And then for us, I mean, it's a, it's a slippery slope because if the trial is good, we know we're going to buy it, but it just stinks to hear. That's why I haven't started that last of us part one trial. Cause I know if yeah. I play that shit, I'm going to absolutely. I mean, it. but it still stinks to hear take two kind of, <laughs> talking about things in somewhat of a of a negative light i know that they also came out i actually don't have this here with me but i know that they were talking about ai creation in games and how they were saying that they think you know ais will help to enrich the game worlds but not actually be able to make them better than kind of original creation this is one of those kind of side topics that comes up every now and then is like if we get to a point in games if we have ai making games are we going to have like this game is made by people as like a a way of saying that this is like a more artistic version. And so take two was talking about some of that, those kind of like future aspects and then saying they were talking about the grand theft auto league saying that it's not really impacting them from a timing standpoint that they're like emotionally hurt from the leak, which I don't really know how to feel about that. Like you're printing money with GTA five. I don't know how hurt you can feel. I'm sure you're fine. And everybody knew GTA Six was being worked yeah, on. It wasn't you like to. we like we knew that. What else would they be fucking doing? Yeah, but um, the AI thing is funny because Take Two is famous for the they published the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, and that was famously made by AI by Grove Street Games in shout out Florida Gainesville, but we don't Florida. Associate so because that shit sucked. <laughs> we don't associate because yeah, that was not. Not the best effort, not the best uh, justification for using AI. Yeah, actually, I, I hope that this isn't the case. So one of the things with Grand Theft Auto, the collection made by AI that was asked. So I guess two things. Number one, the billboards, some of them were upside down and words were spelled incorrectly. In addition to the rest of the game, not looking very good. But the rain <laughs> was also really awful. The reason why I bring that up is because Game Informer, now if you listened to our episode last week, if you didn't, you can go ahead and obviously go catch up, but they Game Informer released a bunch of details about the Resident Evil 4 remake, and they also released 12 minutes of footage, and the rain in Resident Evil 4 remake kind of looks like the rain from GTA, and the rest of it looks good. Well, I mean, the the rain looks kind of scary, like bad. Um, Just something that, just talking about GTA made me think of that yeah i don't know ai is in a weird space right now i mean even we've been seeing the chat gdp or jet i don't know that much right. about that but yeah I've, i think i i think you're saying it correctly and then also i saw google released their competitor called bard i believe so it's just kind of like in a weird space where ai where like ai is writing it can write a report for you if you wanted it to they now got ai making games i mean we there's ai that makes music so it's just we're in a weird uh, crossing between technology and humanity and it kind of like merging in a weird way and 
eventually the AI will get good enough where we can't tell the difference, but we're still in that preliminary stages of AI where it's like, it's a little rough around the edges. It doesn't have that human touch and care. Okay. And I don't want it to get to where AI does everything. Yeah, there probably has to be way. like a little window of errors so it seems natural. <laughs> Every now and then it's got to fuck up on purpose. Mm-hmm. But they know that. Exactly. So it's not like they're just hearing that from me. But yeah, that, that would be... Well, another thing, right, is so we might see... Well, like the, we'll have to revisit this in the phases of AI by the time that Judas comes out. So if you guys haven't seen it, Judas is one of the, you know, for us, probably the hottest anticipated. I mean, we saw the trailer for this. We were in love at first sight. It's a game from Ken Levine and Ghost Story Games. Uh, Ken Levine is the creator of our favorite game of all time, Bioshock. Uh, Famous for Bioshock and System Shock as well. Now, I say all this to say that this Judas trailer is off the fucking chain, but also looks very similar to Bioshock and his past works and didn't have any kind of release window or anything on the trailer, but that's okay. It was a first reveal, but we're now getting notice that their release window is by the end of March 2025, and I feel like that's really fucking far away. I mean, yeah, in next month, that will be two years away. But it is (laughs) worth also noting that Ken Levine's last game came out in 2013. And damn, so that's about he's going to have over over 10 10 years years, in game releases. Over 10 years in game releases. And I will say just first right off the bat, I am extremely stoked for Judas, but it doesn't look like a crazy departure from what he's done before. So I don't understand. Of course. We're seeing just a glimpse of the game, so I cannot judge it, really. I don't know the whole contents of it, but just on a first glance, I don't see what was the 10-year thing. Now, of course, it probably wasn't the whole 10 years. Obviously, there's going to be breaks between him forming a new studio and all that stuff. So, But still, even from announcement now to 2025, and that's by, which means pass to me. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, especially when they're saying bye, they're like, if, we, if, if shit goes right, we can get it out by March 2025. Um, yeah, the, going over 10 years in game releases is concerning just because you're like, I hope it can stay consistent and carry the same energy that his past projects have. Um, when you saying it doesn't really, like, there's nothing visually that's striking in terms of like, it looks like Bioshock. It looks like a spiritual successor. I think what will awe us is the narrative. And I think that's why I think that that's where his games lean heavily on, even though they do have great worlds and, and stuff like that, but it's the narrative. So if the narrative is good, then it can be a next, you know, a next great experience, uh, classic game like Bioshock or something like that. But the going between over 10 years between releases. Yeah, I mean, you're, is, is you're absolutely right though, that if the narrative is, that same Ken Levine level that we know, you know, narratives take a really long time depending on how, you know, how incessant you are in kind of making sure that all the details are correct in the way that you want them to be. And so he could go through a ton of different, different versions of it. And so that could take a long time, but yeah, also like you were saying with consistency, knowing that it's a different team, you know, I know we have him, but you know, I'm obviously famous now for being like, if, I don't care about the one name, right? Like Ghost Story has not released anything yet. And it's been a long time. I mean, I don't know how many people that were key to the development of those old games are just like, well, we moved on. We're doing some other shit now. But I am extremely excited for it. It's just that it is a long wait. And it's a long enough wait that if it comes out in March 25, I know that I will kind kind of forget about it every now and then. 
Like an example is before we were talking about the show, a little bit of a different level game, but I was watching Dr. No last night, a James Bond classic. I was watching that. And then while I was watching, I was like, oh shit, I just remembered IO Interactive is making a 007 game. That's going to be really hype. But when you announce things too early, it's very easy to forget. I mean, especially the way we have to cover all of this news. I mean, if it's not in the conversation, Mm -hmm. not that it has to be constantly, but if we're not reminded every couple of months, it's going to fall by the wayside. So I almost saw this as a, hey, it's probably going to come out late 2025, but we're going to tell you by 2025. Also, we're not going to say anything about it for like two years. That's what I got. I got, we're getting a trailer. That's it. Yeah, I think for me, I can check out of a game of its if it, once it's like past that 18 month mark of it being unveiled and I have no updates, no new trailers, no release date in sight. That's where I know I can definitely start forgetting about games because you were talking about IO making James Bond. Machine Games is supposed to be making an Indiana Jones game. And where is that going to be? You know, like. There's these games that kind of just get announced and they're just in the ether, but we don't really know where they're going to be. And like Beyond Good and Evil 2, um, the Prince of Persia remakes that got canceled. And I don't, you know, like just saying things and just release and announcing them. And it's, it's, I think there needs to be a lot more strategy behind this. You can't just keep on just saying things when you don't have the clear end in sight. When you announce a game, there should be an end in sight. Like you should know a release date. I'm not saying you have to release that information as soon as you release our uh, unveil it, but give us a year, give us a season and the, and the internal, they should have an internal date. That or they know just have the hit. control to make more of the game before you say anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like be like 70% yeah, done. Cause with if the we product. don't know about it, then we can't be disappointed about it. You know? And I, I think maybe some of that is mm-hmm. now they're, they're trying to like work alongside the fans, which I, I really don't like this idea that they think that that's okay, that we can like do some of that labor for them. But I'll use Ubisoft as an example, right? They've had a number of projects that they've canceled recently due to poor reception of the marketing. I mean, that to me just where like you're going to spend money on all of the pre-production and probably mid-production, and then you're going to start dropping cash on marketing and then cancel everything because people didn't like a trailer. I feel like there's a lot of stories of games having, you know, mixed feelings. And then maybe if they just come out and they're good, it doesn't matter. People are going to buy it. So if you really have no confidence in it, that's one thing. But if you have no confidence in it, you really shouldn't be marketing it anyway. Or at least not marketing it early. Have just betas come out. See what people think maybe when they play it. But how is anyone really going to know what to think if they don't even get their hands on it? Like Need for Speed Unbound, we knew nothing about, but you play it, and we're like, damn, this is pretty good. For me, it also just shows an extreme lack of confidence in the game, and it's like, if you're not fucking confident in the game, why the fuck would I put down my money? Especially now, games are $70. You kind of... Yeah, you have to market them. You have to let us know that you're confident within the product that you're And it's not even just... like. It's not even you just the 70. Just it's also it the fact that you're going to try to be selling me something that you're going to want fucking years, two, three, four, and 27 <laughs> seasons of. And so like, well, okay, you you got to have something really hot to get people invested like that. And people only have enough time to get into some of those live service games, like one or two, really, if you want to play other stuff. So I don't, I, you can't have everyone vying for the same thing. Most of them are going to fail. 
especially when they're not match made. When they're not like match made things and they're trying to be more than that, I feel like it's even more likely to fail. But I could be wrong on that. I actually don't have stats for that, but maybe that's just me. It's much easier to get me into a small game and come back to it every now and then than try to have me play something that's like ongoing and a whole ass relationship I got to keep. Yeah, because then you also feel it's the same thing that Hitman made like a did a great thing with consolidating the game and making it easy to access all the content and like piecemeal it in a way where it's kind of simple and you know exactly what to purchase. But like uh, with Destiny recently, like uh, for Plus, we have the Beyond Light. And I was like, oh, is this cool? Is this like the most recent thing? But it's like, no, we got a new thing that's just coming out. And it's like, you never know with, with the ongoing games. I feel like either you're on board from the beginning or you kind of just get lost in the sauce and the updates. And you're like, I don't, am I playing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Did I miss out on some story content? What is this world? Like, did I get the right gun? Do I not have the best gear? I'm a, can I not raid? Can I not do PVP? It's yeah. like, these games I feel like are releasing without, releasing without strategy behind them, which is kind of weird because there's millions of dollars behind most games, most games between marketing and development time. Like, most yeah, and I mean, Destiny 2, right? They're, they're one of the examples that is they're successful, however confusing. So our, one of the plus games, right? We announced the plus <laughs> games last week, and those are going to be available for you to add to your collection, by the way, if you're an essential member starting as of February 7th. But one of them is Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Now, that is confusing because it's not just Destiny 2, right? It's one of the campaigns. And of course, that's an ad because Lightfall comes out soon. So they want you to get into it for that. There's even a PlayStation Stars campaign to pre-order Lightfall. And so I'm a little bit interested because we played Destiny 2 at the beginning, but of course it's confusing. So I went online and I was like, okay, can I get a little bit of an explanation here as to what I'm missing? Because I know that they technically take away content. (laughs) So I looked through it. First of all, it's spread up by Mm -hmm. years, which already is making me like roll my eyes. It's split up into years (laughs) and they have like year of the whatever. Then they have seasons within. It's normally three or four seasons in each year. And then they have a campaign or like a giant kind of normally they're like 30 or $40 expansion campaign types. Now, short explanation, Destiny 2 launches with the Red War campaign vaulted. You can't play that. You can't buy that no matter what. Doesn't matter. Then Shadowkeep came out. <laughs> Shadowkeep came out. Uh, also vaulted. Can't play. Can't buy. Whatever. Now, starting with Beyond Light, they said that they're not going to vault anymore. Two campaigns are vaulted, but starting with Beyond Light, and then there was Witch Queen. And then after Witch Queen now is going to be Lightfall is going to be the new one. That's three out of the five campaigns, all separate, some vaulted. Um, those weapons and content from those early ones you can't have. But then also the starting point in the game is different because we started originally with it. And then when I tried to get back into it, it's really confusing because the like layout of everything is different because it's been multiple years of content. So... Basically, I'm just saying a lot to to be like, I I can't imagine you're gaining a lot of new players that way. So you're probably trying to just really sustain the players that you have. And that doesn't really seem like a great model. I mean, obviously, I could be wrong. Destiny 2 is successful, but I don't think more people are hopping into it. I think it's just the people that have always been with it are staying with it. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of like a good battle royale because it's simple enough. This is the game mode. This is the mechanics. Yeah, we added a new point of interest. Yeah, we added a new weapon. Oh, there's a cool new skin. I mean, that's what Fortnite gets so right with its live service aspect. It's one that that's why it's always can 
it, I mean, it ebbs and flows in terms of popularity, but it will always stay somewhat consistent just because a, it has fucking amazing um, collaborations with like literally every single, I- there's an IP that everybody cares about that is tied to Fortnite. Like even when dead space remake came out, there was an Isaac skin that you can purchase. And the, map has changed so many times and it's only been one map but they just keep on ever changing it and i feel like that's more simple because it's like br simple objective but it's a new experience every time with these like kind of open world rpgs it's like world are like uh, mmo rpgs on the consoles it's kind of like uh world of warcraft but even world of warcraft was more simpler just because it always had the same starting point. These games now, like you said, are vaulting content, so it doesn't even have the yeah, same starting point. it's pretty crazy, point. and support is key. I mean, I even remember with Fortnite. Fortnite is not something that we play, but it has brought me into it every now and then because there'll be something crazy enough that I'm kind of interested. I remember when they had Pandora from Borderlands as a big section of the map, and it's like, of course, that's fucking cool. Now, I understand because of the art style, they're able to do crazier shit, but still, I think that... It's just the idea of consistent updates that keep it fun. Now, kind of just blending it into what we're already talking about. It's kind of unfortunate because we know that Rumbleverse recently said that they're going to be kind of closing their servers. And another game, this is one that we actually really enjoyed. You know, we played it for about two seasons, but it's hard to stick with all of these games at the same times. But Knockout City. Uh, Knockout City will be shutting down its servers Rip. coming in June, which is unfortunate because I thought Knockout City slapped. I thought it was original and really fun. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was a very simple multiplayer game with like dodgeball, basically. And it was just it was good. I don't know. I really enjoyed Knockout City. Like yeah, you it was said, unique. It was, was punchy. Awesome. It felt good. It had a very fun aesthetic to it while being unique enough it kind of was similar to what it made me think of it was kind of like splatoon is what i thought it always looked a little bit similar to but Mm. it's a good look it's not basic enough where i don't remember it i remember it as being like hey it kind of looks like splatoon but you know what splatoon is not even on our hardware so it doesn't even really matter and then the combat was good it's fun 3v3 easy to get in get out they added some maps pretty quickly support was good but Again, I don't know how long you're really expecting to go with it. The unfortunate thing I really think is that a lot of these games are getting shut down. I would understand if you say, you know what, we're going to stop adding seasons, but why do they have to close it forever? I can't ever go back and play it. I don't really like that. I don't like that either because it... And also, like this is, will be an issue later on, but it kind of fucks with like gaming history in terms of archiving games. Like There's games that... like you know, future gamers are not going to be able to go back to just hear about it, only watch clips on it that you like physically can't play the game. Like the game is only online and it's completely shut down and you'll never be able to play And we don't spend a lot of cash on micro transactions, but you know, we do every now and then. I think I'm more susceptible to it, right? Because I I like Warzone stuff and Mortal Kombat. And so games like that, maybe I'll be a little bit more susceptible. However... I haven't been into a game I think that was strictly free to play that I've ever spent cash in. So I guess I'm safe in the sense that none of those games are shutting down. But for example, Rumbleverse shutting down. I know that it's Iron Galaxy, but it's also Epic, at least originally. I think that the deal might be breaking between the two. But originally it was Epic helping with that. And Epic has said, hey, you know, if you want a refund for it, we will refund you what you've spent on the game, which is great. But Knockout City, I don't know if they're going to do that, right? I think Knockout City is EA. So I don't know if that same kind of customer service is going to go with it. But even regardless of that, it's kind of just a, in general, I mean, you're going to be with the game for how long? What if it shuts down? Like, 
what if Destiny shuts down? How much money have you spent on it? I don't know if you would care, but I would probably care a little bit. Like I could never come back. Now I'm not saying Destiny is doing this, but yeah. like Joel was saying, I think it it poses a larger question of just it's about archiving the game and it is about the history, but it's also just like, damn, you know, every now and then firing up an old guitar hero is sick. Like it might not have its online components anymore, but just going back and playing some of those games can be nostalgic and enjoyable. And especially if you're spending way more than just like a ticket price on a, on a live service game. I mean, it's got to hurt a little bit. Yeah. Like I just think about, like the remember that game that I told you that I played as a kid that was a car combat game, Cell Damage, that they re- randomly released it on PlayStation Four. It was a random ass game. I had it like on the GameCube. Like I think an aunt bought it for me. I had no idea what it was, and I fucking love Cell Damage. And me and Mark played it for like an afternoon or maybe like a day or for a few days or something like that. But we had a blast, and it was fun to be like, though this is something I played as a kid. This is cool now to keep on playing. And it's like, you're not going to be able to like knockout city. Like, I don't know what state they're going to leave it in. Maybe it might be like offline only and you can like play against bots or something like that. But I, I mean, you can't, you can't fork up the cash to run the servers and you don't have to update the content. Like I'm saying, but just have a final update. This is the state of the game and just at least let servers play out. So people can play the game, like shutting it down completely. Like people did have to buy knockout city. It was a, not a 20 full price game, but it, it was, was 20. It was, I believe 40. Yeah. 20 still though it doesn't oh. matter even like you're saying i kind of forgot that still money. Right. it was it's a still ticket money. price on the money. way in which makes it even less kind of okay mm-hmm. but um here's what i was gonna say maybe it'll forgot. jog your memory but something that we didn't actually cover on the show last week but i'll just say because it's relevant to what we're talking about now is it was making headlines last week that turtle rock the developers behind back for blood were stopping support on the game not shutting it down but they were not making more content for it now the reason why i bring this up as being kind of weird is yeah back for back for blood was a full game and they released a whole season of content like they said they would three expansions and then now they're not continuing support and i don't i don't feel like that should be a headline they made the game they did a year of expansions and extra support the game will still be online and they said they're working on their next game i feel like that is a good thing I don't understand how that's a headline as a negative. You want yeah. this developer to be tied to this game that honestly, the people who are probably making the headline probably aren't even playing. Why would you want them stuck to like this game? Have them make something new. I guess it's viewed as a, I guess it's viewed as a failure in the eyes of like uh, games media and, you know, just gamers as alike because it didn't have long lasting legs. And I mean, I think it had player count issues at launch like the game wasn't selling as well so i think it's just kind of more speaking on that and saying that it didn't have the strength and legs behind it like the like their previous work like left for dead and nobody was really interested in it and um i think that's what that's why it became a headline but again you're gonna get the most of your players right off the get-go so i mean i don't think furthering support is really gonna make a big difference no, I think this is like I said. It should be championed as a smart move. Like the studios being like, "Hey, we're not investing uh, time into this anymore, but we're not shutting it down." That's the thing. Shutting down, the, not supporting a game, and not and shutting them down are two completely different things in my mind. Like not supporting a game is justifiable. It's not sad. It didn't sell well. Your player count's not consistent. But if you have a decent player count and people that are still playing the game, let them be able to play yeah, the game. I totally still. agree. It's um. 
That's just kind of unfortunate. But do you have anything else? Or no, yeah, go ahead. And then I remember I was gonna say I remembered what I was I was remembered what I was gonna say about live service games. This is the only thing that does make me a little bit concerned about the history of mm. PlayStation or about the future of PlayStation is that they are investing so much time and money into all these live service games. And I'm just kind of I'm nervous for how they're going to play out. Like her half of these games going to be shut off by the end of the PlayStation five generation. You're never going to be able to play these games ever again. Um, and stuff like that. Like, it's just, I don't know. Live service is like something that I know a lot of studios chase because it's a big bag. If you get one of these games that like, like, you know, connects, but it's just kind of like a shotgun approach as opposed to like how PlayStation was in my mind is more focused on like, we're going to make a good single product and they're obviously still going to have that. We're still going to have our, you know, our single player games coming from gorilla, Santa Monica, naughty dog and a sucker punch and insomnia. But they are also diverging into multiplayer. You have naughty dog making, um, factions you have gorilla with the horizon multi uh, multiplayer game so it is it's a little concerning for sony diving so, or doubling down so much on live service just seeing how fragile yeah, I, those I mean games i absolutely are. agree and again i think maybe if they do the ticket price up front like gt7 as an example maybe you know you charge it and obviously they had some really bs monetization and the way the economy worked in the game but what i'm saying is i think if you charge up front and you still have a full title but then you support it on the back end i almost feel like that's telling me you're not going to shut it down or take it away but if it's free to play now yeah. or even i guess with knockout city being 20 i'm a little bit more worried if they're trying to do some kind of free to play to release it and i think that that would make it easier to take down and get rid of because yeah, I mean, we I go back and play games all the time. I mean, you know, on the current generation that we're on, we have back to like, right, 2013, right? Going back to the launch of everything, basically, with the exception of a few random games. Most of everything from PS4, we can play on PS5. And then, of course, there's other older stuff. But even everything from PS4, I'll go back and play a game from like 2014 or 2015 it won't be that long and soon now, mm-hmm. and that'll be 10 years ago. And so if they started shutting down games like that, I mean, of course, they're single-player games, so they don't need the online thing. But it's the idea that if every game now is going to be online, then that is something that you would have to think about. I mean, what if they were to... I mean, I guess they made an updated version of it, so it might be a poor example. So let me think of something else. Right? What if like Ghost of Tsushima, just out of nowhere, they're like, you know what? Game's not available anymore. I mean, that would suck. Ghost of Tsushima is a great game. You could go back and play it yeah. anytime, but if for some reason they had it tied in with like online components and they were going to shut it down, that would suck ass. I mean, I platinumed until dawn, like just this year. Yeah, and that was like I, eight I years agree. ago. Yeah, but that's why single player games yes. are king in my mind because single player games I agree, but that's what I'm saying. Own. I'm worried that the general direction is. is maybe focusing on games that are not single player. So it's tough to use this as an example to really contextualize it because there's obvious reasons why those games won't get sunset because they're single player and they don't need extra Mm costs to keep running. But the idea is that, yeah, the idea is just think about the fact that you have these fantastic games and at some point that fantastic game might be a live service game and then it'll just be gone once it's gone. It's just a weird thing. 
Like Warzone, we're never gonna play Warzone One it fucking blackout. I'm never gonna go back to that shit. Yeah, I mean yeah, that basically is done. But it's also nice that you, you can, can play, play it. That's if you the thing. Want to. And we have. Like, I'm not going to in quotations, right? Like it's not gonna be my main game, but we definitely have gone back. I've definitely gone back and played zombies from fucking mm-hmm. Black Ops Three all the time. So Oh yeah. Just don't yeah, just don't really definitely. shut it down. I don't I mean, I feel like I probably bought Gobblegums in Black Ops 3 way after it was supposed to be relevant. You know what I mean? So, like, you might even get those trickle purchases every now and then, just depending on if it's worth it or not. Now, of course, all of those things that we mentioned, ticket price up front and then good support, and they kept it through. So, we'll have to just see kind of how this pans out. Now, yeah. We should see how this all talking, you know, talking pans about out. some trends here, just moving right along, is something that we're not too interested in. Uh, Dragon Age Dreadwolf. There was a kind of story that came out saying that gameplay leaked for it, and I didn't watch the gameplay myself, but I was seeing in numerous places that people were saying it's kind of a more action based. Some people even saying like a God of War looking kind of combat. Immediately to me, that kind of throws really large red flags. Of course, God of War is absolutely fantastic. But the reason why I say that is let's remember two things. Number one, this is Bioware. And number two, they made Anthem, which looked like Destiny and was absolute trash. So what I'm trying to say is if Bioware is going <laughs> to head into the direction of looking at what else is successful and trying to copy that again, I feel like that's kind of the final nail in the coffin. What did you think when you saw this? I don't know if you've watched the gameplay, but even just from the headline kind of... Just from the headline, it was. I mean, it's they're going completely in a different direction. I mean, Inquisition won Dragon Game of the Year. Was. I don't know why they wouldn't want to keep it similar to that. I mean, it was a weak year, but still, regardless of a weak year, it it's a still a year, great game. But critically, yeah, it's still definitely regard. It's still yeah, critically did well, and it probably sold pretty well too. But I don't know. Bioware is in a weird spot. They've been having big layoffs, like uh, not big layoffs, but big departures from the like the studio as a whole. They're just like you said. They're just, this if this game doesn't do well. This is kind of the final nail in the coffin. I know they're technically working on Mass Effect, but they're kind of they lost a lot of esteem in the PlayStation Four generation and really haven't been able to recapture that magic they had in that place PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three era with you know, like uh, the Mass Effect trilogy. And then also I know Jade Empire was very nice. And also um, Star Wars, The Old Republic was also a big, or KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. But that was also a big game for them. But ever since that era, they kind of haven't been able to, like, you know, capture that old magic. And, just, you know, sometimes you just, you got to sail, set sail on the dawn. Yeah, and I mean, at least if you're going to do it, I mean, I know that Anthem was really a a rough swing for them trying to do something new, but I know that in addition to this Dragon Age game that they try to already tease another Mass Effect, which, you know, they did Andromeda and that didn't really hit for them. So I don't really know what direction they're going, but that's the... I feel like you have the two schools of thought, or three. I'm going to say you have the three schools of thought with new games. You have remasters, remakes... You have reboots just dragging like old names in. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. And then you have live service and then new IPs. So maybe four. But I think Bioware right now is in that phase where they're just kind of bringing out old names 
and they don't really have a lot to do. And I mean, if you're going to bring out an old name and make it a copycat of a different genre, I feel feel like that's just a really bad sign. Yeah. When I saw that, yeah, it's copying the God of War combat. I was like, yikes. I mean, it may be yeah. good, though. Like, just don't call it Dragon it may Age, be though. Good. Yeah, in my mind, make a new IP or something like that, because if you're changing it that much, then it doesn't seem to really be the same kind of game. You're kind of, like you said, banking on the old name. But yeah, hopefully it is good. And, you know, Bioware doesn't have to be put to the pasture. But honestly, this is this is like its final, final, final strike. Like, I thought Anthem yeah, and was I think the death that banking on old names is kind of... I don't know if they understand how... I'm making it all these developers sound like they're morons, but sometimes it seems that way. So it's not that they necessarily are, but sometimes it seems that way because you got to also think like, hey, if we're going to drag an old name out, that's also going to put more pressure on you because, you know, we have different experiences this where like 2012 Need for Speed Most Wanted. I thought it was a good game, but it's not really Most Wanted, right? And so for people who are huge fans of Most Wanted, that's a slap to the face. Yeah, maybe we're talking about Modern Warfare 2 now. That's going to be the biggest name that Call of Duty has to bring out of their ass. And if they squander that, it's even more disappointing because it's MW2. So you got to be careful with that because people who are Dragon Age fans are going to be like, what the fuck is this? So might be safer, honestly, just going with a new IP. I mean, it might not guarantee you sales, but you need to be making a good game to warrant the sales anyway. Yeah, I think, I mean, as video games have become more commercial, you see the more corporate strategic side of video games come out in terms of the products that we see on our shelves. That's why we're seeing our our digital storefronts. Um, That's why you see so many remakes and stuff like that, because they know that there's a good ROI on on these products. They know people are buying the remakes. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, they're getting a good JOI on these. Yeah, for sure. It's a filthy word. It's, It's a joke. ROI is return on investment, of course. JOI. I thought I said the wrong thing. something different. I was just making a joke. Come on, guys, keeping it light. You got to stay on your toes here. Yeah. Hey, this is why you listen to Go for Bronze deep in the podcast. Return on investment, JOI. It's kind of instruction, you know, if you catch the drift. You can figure out the rest oh, of the wow. letters. Anyway, All continue. Right. I agree. Things have gotten a little bit more corporate and you can kind of tell even with the way things are announced and kind of the strategy behind them that make it seem they make it seem like the medium is a little bit too black and white when it's really it's such an artistic thing that you kind of can't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And well, so yes. It is artistic. And there's obviously a business side to it, but the business side seems to be recently take, taking Agreed. over the artistic side, especially with like our favorite, you know, go for bronze. We cover PlayStation. I think PlayStation in the PlayStation 4 era and PlayStation 5 era has shown that they have become much more corporate and lost like kind of the soul that made us fall in love with the ecosystem. Yeah, of PlayStation they haven't 3. forgotten that they need to make great games, but they have forgotten that they need to make like new games or should, as long as you're doing some <laughs> of those small extras or eternal every now and then a little side project for your big studio, keep them happy, keep them creative. It's not necessarily a negative thing to be giving us all of these franchises that we know and love. If all the releases are fire, but you got to make sure to throw in some of those little things every now and then just to keep it special. But of course, they're doing all their cross-pollination, right? We've got all the TV shows, all the movies. 
small shout out here for Last of Us. The fifth episode will be releasing two days early on HBO Max. That way it doesn't interfere with the Super Bowl. So just a heads up on that. But but yeah, with the with the corporateness about it, you know, you're gonna have movies. We had the Uncharted movie, you're gonna have more shows. We have Horizon in Development, God of War, Twisted Metal. And so it is a, it's a lot of the same IP and a lot of uh of cross trying to do all these other things. Every now and then, I mean, you're still gonna be surprised by something creative, but it's sometimes the outlook can be bleak when we're looking so far in the future and only seeing things we've already known. Yeah, and that's and that's why like a game like Death Stranding is so special. And that's why like we have to like kind of treasure these new IPs and when they do well, you know, you know, praise them and like if Atomic Heart is fucking fantastic, like we need to get behind Atomic Heart, make sure Atomic Heart sells well and I mean make sure do as much as we can, purchase it ourselves and tell, talk about how much we love it, but like the newer IP do need to get shout out cuz I because even in terms of us content creators, we know, like most content creators know, remakes will do well. Streaming numbers, because everybody wants to watch the old shit that they played. Reviews on those games, I bet uh, reviews on those games are probably higher than reviews on newer IP if you look at in terms of view count and engagement. So it's a, I think it's an industry wide thing in terms of media and also the developers and pr- yeah, publishers. I think side. so. I think you're you're absolutely right. I think we have. There are going to be small kind of side announcements for a lot of games that we haven't heard of or don't know. One that we wanted to shout out here is that in the big kind of Nintendo showcase, uh, the studio behind Nino Kuni Level 5 announced a game called Deca Police. And so like just shout out to them. Excellent studio. They Nino Kuni 1 and 2. One is the amazing one, but 2 is also still a good, very creative art style. I've seen that they've been kind of saying like, oh, Nintendo Switch, but it's also coming to PlayStation. So I wanted to just give that a shout out here because <laughs> it's on Switch, but it will also be coming to PlayStation. Sweet. Yeah, and great new IP. We but then even also, it. I kind of stick to the, I know it's just and, like a lot of it all kind of stacked on top, but with games taking too long and forgetting them, you know, I just remembered another game, um, Pragmata. Like what's going on with that? Do you remember that? You know, it's a cool trailer because because it was on my wish list. It was on the PlayStation Store, but I feel like they removed it from the PlayStation Store because I don't yeah, think games it's on my can just disappear anymore. like that. Now, the reason why I also brought that up is because I'm the goat of transitions, and I'm trying to say also that if you're interested, I know that there's probably not a lot of people out there. This might just be me, but if you're interested in Test Drive Unlimited, Nacon is doing a connect on March 9th. They didn't say that Test Drive Unlimited is going to be in it. I'm Ooh. just saying that Nacon is doing a connect. Sometimes they have stuff worthwhile. Sometimes they have nothing. But just throwing that out there, hoping that they say something about Test Drive Unlimited because I want that in summertime or fall. But hopefully they say something about it. That's really all the news for that at the moment. But March 9th, if you're interested, mark your calendars. And we'll definitely cover it here on the show too if they say anything interesting about yeah. it. Test drive if they give more than a screenshot, cram. we'll have something to say. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, because I feel like they might have to come out with something big. Just see recently with the crew announcement being like revitalized and how good that kind of looked. Yeah, initially. I, I think that, yeah, the crew uh, Motorfest. I was going to say Hawaii because that makes more sense. But Motorfest, Motorfest. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> it looks good. Not really. 
not really much to say. It's nice when you have a game that you know is probably going to be pretty solid. I mean, it's a pretty safe bet. As long as it doesn't release in a mess, yeah, yeah it'll be a good time. Especially for us on PlayStation. We don't have that Horizon kind of copy. So, And it's okay, especially with racing games exactly. and even shooters to a certain degree. It depends. But I think racing games more so, they'll stick to that. It's okay to have copies of racing games. You just have new cars and new areas and it's fun as long as it plays good. Yeah, I don't think that there's even an issue with copying games. I think it's just more like the problem is nowadays, like a lot of games are multiplayer based. So when you copy them, it's more blatant. But back in the day, when you would copy a game, you may have similar mechanics, but then the narrative complete be completely different and special and unique. And that what separates games as opposed to now games kind of being pretty bland in terms of lacking story content and just being live service and just we copied this. And it's kind of a similar blah open world live service thing that has the same mechanics as this game and it's just like you know less impactful in terms of on the narrative side so then therefore the copycatness shines more i agree i think um i think it's it's one of those things like you're saying it's just got to have just enough to have its own identity it's okay to lean on the creations of others but just make sure you're you're making way that people will remember this as this game, not just as that clone of whatever else. You know, it's kind of Callisto. Callisto, I think, will be forgotten. I think in like a year or two, it's just going to be dead space. Yeah. And then remember that other game that tried to be it. So important to make sure that you are paving the way and making an identity unique for your own. And now, if you have any closing thoughts or want to continue, feel free. I just want to give a shout out that the news has been cleared. Give a round of applause, everyone. We did a great job, but the news is done for the week. So, yeah, games need to have their own identity. But uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, no, I don't really have any closing thoughts. I'm interested. I'm not interested. I'm excited to get into the Dead Space remake, and I'm also interested in playing some Hogwarts Legacy. See how that turned out. I know it's getting great reviews and overall being well received. Outside of its controversy, the game itself, the product, seems to be good. Everything outside of it is its own thing, but the product seems good, so I'm interested to uh, dive into that. Get sorted in my house. I never did a sorting house thing. I hope they ask you questions, and I can find out if I'm a Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, or Ravenclaw. Yeah, it should be a good time. It's nice to see that it's got good reviews. We're, of course, uh, on the peasant version, so we're playing on the 10th, but I don't care. Egwa. Yes. I think yes, that, we, we I think that paying for early access is a little weird for a single player game. And I don't I don't want to look, is it a broke bitch thing to say I don't want to support it because I don't no. want to spend extra ten dollars? Yes. I, I, I will come out I will admit that first that you it don't is a broke bitch thing. But also I'm speaking with I'm speaking exactly. I'm speaking with my wallet and I'm not condoning this behavior. If you pay $10 more, you get the game earlier because that's just going to keep on going and going. It's pay $20 more. You get the game a month early and then it's going to fucking be. Yeah, that's horrendous. true. That's a good point. But I, uh, I don't have anything else. So you've heard it here on this beautiful episode of Go for Bronze. The Go for Bronze podcast is a production of Go for Bronze Media, LLC. Egwa. My dreams. <laughs>